After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. It's a Meat Eater Podcast. Welcome to Meat Eater Trivia, the only game show where conservation always wins. I'm your host, Spencer Newharth, and today we're joined by Stephen Ranella, Brody Henderson, Seth Morris, Hayden Samick, Randall Williams, and Mike Kunz. Now, Mike, this is your first time playing Meat Eater Trivia. How do you feel about your chances? Pretty poor. Okay. Why is that? Uh, because I never played it before. Oh, that's a good reason. Now, Steve. <laughs> Steve For anyone has, listening, mm-hmm. Mike discovered the Mesa site. Yeah. You can and, hear him on Monday's he episode. discovered the Mesa site, a paleo-Indian site in Arctic Alaska. Steve has a theory that when it comes to meat eater trivia, the older you are, the better you'll perform. So I think you have an advantage today. He's the oldest player we've ever had. <laughs> Wait, would you share your age? 80. 80. I think that beats our <laughs> oldest player by probably 20 years at least. Yeah. So welcome to the show, Mike. Yeah, now, if thanks. you're not familiar, this is a 10-round quiz show with questions from Meat Eaters 4 Verticals, which are hunting, fishing, conservation, and cooking, and there is a prize. Meat Eater will donate $500 to the conservation organization of the winner's choosing. And for the stat of the week this week, we're looking at the bone that I throw to guests. Now, Mike, when we get playing here, one of the 10 <laughs> questions, great stat. one of the 10 questions is going to be firmly in your wheelhouse. You'll recognize it when it comes up. And we're going to look at a stat about what that means. This happens when a meat eater podcast guest is kind enough to stick around and play trivia. And I give them one question that's squarely in their wheelhouse. Now, For the other nine questions asked, our trivia guests have a 34% chance of getting the correct answer. But for the bone that I throw to guests, they have an 89% chance of getting the correct answer. That means guest performance increases by 55% on the questions where I throw them a bone. Damn. So you have an 89% (laughs) chance today of getting at least one question right, Mike. I like your odds. Yeah, they're good. (laughs) (laughs) now we have some housekeeping to get to before we play in a previous episode we had a question about how many states east of the rocky mountains have huntable populations of mule deer the correct answer was six and those states were north dakota south dakota nebraska kansas oklahoma and texas but a few listeners wrote in saying that texas is actually considered part of the rocky mountain range now the davis mountains Davis Mountains and uh, the Guadalupe. Yeah, 
Now, 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 when I Googled this, the sites that I could find making this claim were mostly from Texas, like the Texas Historical Association and Texas Monthly Magazine. On the contrary, places like the U.S. Geological Survey, Encyclopedia Britannica, and New World Encyclopedia all define the Rocky Mountains as ending in New Mexico. The Encyclopedia Britannica admits that the Rocky Mountain mapping can be arbitrary, but that if the line isn't drawn at Albuquerque, New Mexico, then it could theoretically stretch as far north as Alaska and as far south as South America. Instead, most consider this greater region to be the American Cordillera, which is a parent Cordillera. mountain. How do I say it? Cordillera. Cordillera. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. That'd be a good trivia question. Which is a parent mountain range for smaller ranges, such as the Rockies, Sierra Nevadas, Cascades, and Brooks Range. Now, I'll concede that the question introduces some subjective mapping, but I'm going to stick with my guns that Texas is not a Rocky Mountain state, and thus there are six states east of the Rocky Mountains that have huntable mule deer populations. Classic Texas, man. They like, just wow, kind of predictable. Yeah. They want it all. Now, no. Mike, you, you have some experience in that part of the country around New Mexico. Would you count Texas as being a Rocky Mountain state? What do you think of that? Absolutely not. Okay, good. Then we, we have our firm answer. Why is that? Why is it not a Rocky because Mountain state? Because it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly said. That's why we have you here. Now, the Shelby index for this round is a three and a half, so our winner should get about seven correct answers. And with that, we're on to the game of trivia. Play the drop, Phil. Look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. How's that? You stand to win everything. Game on, suckers! Question one. The topic is hunting, and as always, this will be multiple choice. What body part is often associated with a dork stamp? Is it eye, forearm, shin, or shoulder? Again, the topic is hunting. What's a dork stamp? The topic is hunting. (laughs) The topic is hunting. The question is what body part is often associated with a dork stamp? Your choices are eye, forearm, shin, or shoulder. Nobody knew this one. Oh, the room looks no. agitated. Steve what has anything. Do them in order again. Okay, uh, we're looking for what body part is associated with a dork stamp. Is it eye, forearm, shin, or shoulder? Here's the problem I have. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just wait. Okay. What, what? What? Does everyone know what a dork stamp is? Listen, I'm not going to talk about it, man, because Never it's heard like it. a trivia game, dude. <laughs> Let's Again, just, choices, eye, forearm, shin, shoulder. The, uh, room, the room is agitated. After we get through this, mm-hmm. are you going to explain what oh, this yeah, has to yeah, do yeah. with hunting? I got a whole sure. lot okay. of questions. Does man. everybody have an angry answer? Uh, I'm angry, I'm confused. Good? <laughs> I don't like the way this one's starting. <laughs> Go ahead. Is it Go like ahead. a tramp stamp? Go ahead and reveal your answer. Why is it hunting? We have Steve saying shin. Oh, but it should have been we eye. We have Mike saying shoulder. <laughs> Brody saying shit. Can I change mine to I? Hayden good... saying I. Randall saying I. And Seth It's when you get scoped I. by a rifle. Oh. The correct answer is I. 
Dude, oh, good. You know why I wrote Shin? I thought it was like a tramp stamp, but for guys. And I thought maybe you're dorky if you get a tattoo on your shin. Here's what we got. The phrase dork stamp refers answer. to when a rifle's recoil causes the scope <laughs> to hit a person's eye or nose. Other phrases that describe this injury include scope eye, scope bite, or eye ring. A Wyoming sheriff said in a 2022 article on TheMeatEater.com, that a prominent dork stamp on an elk hunter accused of assault helped them identify and arrest the subject. So, so it's like a widely used term is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, so I Googled oh, it not. to make sure. I found it on forums. I found it in articles. We had this sheriff Alrighty. who was quoted on TheMeatEater.com saying dork stamp is what helped them catch this criminal. Can we just start so Wouldn't it, wouldn't it yeah. be great if we <laughs> just clarified that in the scratch, beginning? Man. Well, now, why, why would I clarify that, Hayden? It would tell you what the answer is. Well, you just ask us to guess a random thing that nobody's ever heard of. Well, this is the mind of an editor. He's going for common usage. He's looking at all this. Thank He's looking you. at edu- edu- you. Randall. Randall, did you get that one right? I did. Well done. I didn't know. Question so of course two. he likes the question. Question I, I've two. had him. I've oh, had him. You've had him. Did, <laughs> yeah. did you have a name for it at the time? Ow. Okay. <laughs> that works too. Now you can call it a dork stamp. Question two. The topic is public lands. This great question comes to us via Alex Wise. If you have a question you think is right for Meat Eater Trivia, you can send it to trivia at TheMeatEater.com. What introduced big game animal killed a hiker at Olympic National Park in 2010? What introduced big game animal killed a hiker at Olympic National Park in 2010? Quick answers from most of the room. You boys just know this one. Yep. Okay. No question. You remember when it happened? Mm-hmm. Okay. Again. Mm-hmm. What introduced big game animal killed a hiker at Olympic National Park in 2010? I would have wrote that even different. I know it, but I would have still wrote it different. <laughs> Mike, do you have an answer? Go, uh, go ahead and reveal your answers. We have Steve saying mountain goat. Mike, without an answer. The rest of the room saying mountain goat. They got it right. The correct answer was mountain goat. Now, I think that's easier for you, Steve. What years were you in Seattle, maybe? That's not why I know it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The 63-year-old hiker was having lunch on a backcountry trail when he was gored to death by a rutting mountain goat. After attacking the man, the goat then stood guard over his body for 15 minutes, all while being pelted with rocks from fellow hikers. The animal was killed a few days later by park rangers who had been monitoring the goat for years because of reports from hikers who said it would follow them and act territorial. I like that they say it stood guard over his body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know what he's going to do with him. Question three. The topic is fishing. What 116-pound state record was set in Arkansas by an angler who was using spam as bait? What 116-pound state record was set in Arkansas by an angler who was using spam as bait? Is this one of those questions? If you think the answer <laughs> is white-tailed deer, you need to write white-tailed oh, okay, deer. Deer it. would not be good enough. That's exactly the example I was going to use. What 116-pound state record was set in Arkansas by an angler who was using spam as bait? Oh, man. How do you feel about your odds on this one, Brody? I got it 50, down to... 50-50? Yeah, I'm 50-50. Okay. You know, I can't decide what are, the, what are my I answers know. I'm going to eliminate to create the right answer. Okay. Seth, you ever fish with spam? 
No. No. Nope. Sticking with my first answer. Not opposed to it. Okay. Does everybody have Bro, an you answer? show me your plate, dude. I didn't look. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Does everybody Sorry. have an answer about the 116-pound state record that was sent by using spam? I got to decide. I'm going to listen. Do me the favor mm-hmm. of reading the okay. one I have scratched. You can do that. <laughs> so people know that I was close. Okay. Brody, how we doing? I got a lot of fans out there. Well, I was going to go with my first answer, and now I'm thinking about changing okay. it. But Are you going to do the scribble trick as well? Do we need to acknowledge your backup answer? No, I'm just leaving what I got. Okay. Oh, stick with your guns. Randall? I'm going to change it. Last second last change. change. Ooh, last second change. Is everybody Still ready? looking on. Go ahead Whoosh. and reveal your answers. We have Steve saying alligator Whoa. gar. And his answer that he scribbled out was blue cat. Mike saying catfish. No, Brody saying flathead catfish. No, 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 Hayden no. saying flathead catfish. He crossed out gar. Randall saying alligator gar. Seth saying blue catfish. Copy for it. We have a correct answer in the room. It's blue catfish. Oh, oh really? I Seth had it. That's why I just erased. Right. Son of a bitch. Who had it? Me. Seth got it Seth's right. Seth's having a great game. The 116-pound blue cat was caught by Charles Ashley Jr. in the Mississippi River in 2001. He said Hormel Spam was his dad and granddad's favorite bait and that they'd been using it for decades to catch catfish. How's he getting it on the hook? Uh, you know, I've seen folks where they, like, freeze it, and then they'll, like, freeze the circle hook in it. I don't know if he was when, doing when that When we not. used to do a bunch of catfishing, we would put bait that wouldn't stick together in a nylon stocking and then, like, cinch it down real yeah, tight and like then just a, hook like through a the spawn, stocking. Like a spawn sack. Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. The blue cat is the state's third biggest record fish Finishing behind a 215-pound alligator gar and 118-pound paddlefish. Ooh, I would, no one even thought of paddlefish. Well, I hope well, you wouldn't answer that. They're, yeah. Spam. Yeah. Yeah. Spam. they're known for the distaste for spam. <laughs> <laughs> Question four. The topic is anthropology. Ooh. The National Park Service defines this type of ancient art as, quote, images painted onto rock surfaces. Again, the topic is anthropology. The National Park Service defines this type of ancient art as, quote, images painted onto rock surfaces. Quick answers from the whole room. Mike, this is this is you getting thrown a bone. This is you getting thrown a bone. That's yeah. right. But I feel like when you throw the bone, like, it should... The guest should have a higher An probability advantage. of getting it than everyone yeah. else. So I'm, I'm going to address that in a future episode, too. We'll look at uh, how the room does against mm-hmm. uh, our guest oh, that'd be for great that question. Stat, does everybody yeah. have an answer? That'd be great stat. Go ahead and oh, reveal sh- your answers. We have Steve saying pictograph. Mike saying petroglyph. Brody saying pictograph. Oh. <laughs> Hayden saying petroglyph. Randall saying pictograph. Seth saying pictograph. One's when you carve it and one's when you draw it. Yeah, the correct gonna... answer is pictograph. Ah! Ah! No, pictograph. <laughs> yeah, a petroglyph is carved. Etched. The, the National Park Service says pictographs are images that have been painted onto rock surfaces. Petroglyphs are images that have been carved into rock surfaces. And hieroglyphs are images that represent words which have been carved, then sometimes painted, into rock surfaces. Because pictographs were made with archaic paint, they are much more prone to weathering than petroglyphs. Mike, what's your experience with pictographs and petroglyphs? I feel like New Mexico is just littered with those things, right? Yeah. But you left out one category. What's that? 
where they're etched into the rock and also painted. Ah, what would that be then? The the hieroglyph? Uh, I don't know. I don't, see, this is real... The National Park Service, again, you had an, issue, you had an issue with their diary. He pulls a lot of shit from the Park Service, man. That's what I, I'm don't, I don't take them verbatim okay. for anything. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, this is a widely, this is a, yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you come across any pictographs or petroglyphs in Alaska, or did they just, like, not they exist They didn't do that there. there, did they? They, I'm not aware of any. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but totem poles almost serve the same purpose. Oh, yeah. yeah. But New Mexico just had all sorts of them. Oh yeah. oh yeah, and they probably last. They probably weather well there, yeah, because the lack of moisture. I imagine. Question five: The topic is hunting. This next great question comes to us via Matt Kilpatrick. If you have a question you think is right for Meat Eater Trivia, you can send it to trivia at themeateater.com. What auto brand sold outdoorsman edition pickups in 1985 that came with a Winchester rifle? Hmm. What auto brand sold Outdoorsman Edition pickups in 1985 that came with a Winchester rifle? A quick answer from Seth. Seth, do you know this one? No. Again, the topic is hunting. No, I don't know it. Question is from Matt Kilpatrick. What auto brand sold Outdoorsman Edition pickups in 1985 that came with a Winchester rifle? Steve, what was your first vehicle that you drove? 1976 half-ton Chevy, mm. made two years after I was born. Bought it for 600 bucks at the corner of Ryerson and Riley Thompson. Now, how did you come across that thing? You like it was parked it? out? It was parked at that corner, <laughs> <laughs> angled. <laughs> and how long did that scoot you around for? Man, dude, I didn't have it long, and we were Bahan through Manistee National Forest, <laughs> and. <laughs> This kid named Brian Peterson was riding in the back, and I went to try to hand a beer to him through the slide window and crashed into an oak tree. Oh, no. <laughs> and sold it to a local gearhead named Matt. Sold it to a local gearhead named Matt Jones for 100 bucks, and this dude could fix anything and uh-huh. make anything. And it wasn't like a week later, he's driving around that truck. Looked like the day I bought it. <laughs> Pissed me off. Did, no end. <laughs> did, dad get, did dad get the full story that you were handing a beer back to the no, dude in the tailgate? So. No, I could take and show you the tree I hit. <laughs> it's funny that Baja. If you go, if you take Ryerson out, cross Cedar Creek, and then take the first left, uh-huh. right there, not, okay. not 300 yards down the road, I'll show you the oak tree. <laughs> it's funny that Baja <laughs> seems like a universal term. Like, oh, yeah. The other day I was Baja in Baja. Huh. Yeah. Good on you. Does everybody have an answer for the auto brand? Of all places. Go ahead and reveal your answer. We have Steve saying Dodge. We have Mike saying Ford. Brody saying Chevy. Hayden saying Ford. Randall saying GMC. Seth saying Dodge. The correct answer is Chevy. Ah, damn, oh. damn it. We had somebody get it right. Was it Brody? Yeah. Well done. Brody, did mm. you know that one or was it just Not a guess? Not at all. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it just anybody, anybody's game right now, well, Phil? We'll get a scoreboard update <laughs> after this factoid. I thought the, it was Dodge because Dodge makes an outdoorsman now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they also make a power wagon, which was like... Mm-hmm. They made Ooh, that power, power wagon back in the 80s? Yeah. 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 They don't give you a rifle with it, though. The Outdoorsman Edition Chevy with the hunting package came with a Silverado pickup, 
Winchester Model 94, rifle scope, gun rack, gun case, safety glasses, and more. Both the truck and gun are now considered rare collectibles. I was able to find one of the pickups that sold in 2016 for $25,000 and one of the rifles that sold in 2020 for $1,300. Wow. Phil, we're halfway through the game of trivia. Give us a scoreboard update. Sure thing. We've got Mike in last place with zero points. <laughs> Steve and Hayden are rolling up next with two points apiece. Oh, my God. Randall and Brody have three, and Seth is in first place with four points. Wow, Seth. Mm. Seth Morris. Now, when we sat, Seth can win. Oh, he has one. When we sat down to play, before the mics turned on, Seth said, now, Randall, you know I won last time, right? So oh, he's Seth on a roll. Is, he's feeling it. He's on wow. a heater. We'll see. Don't don't jinx me. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry. With pit stops along the way for lessons about ice age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. Question six. The topic is conservation. The acronym NIMBY, which is often used when discussing wind turbines and solar farms, means what? The acronym NIMBY. N-I-M-B-Y, which is often used when discussing wind turbines and solar farms, means what? Quick answers from Brody and Steve. They seem confident. And Randall. And Randall. Randall, you got this one right? Yes. Okay. Seth, without an answer. Hayden and Mike look like they don't know it. Again, the acronym NIMBY, which is often used when discussing wind turbines and solar farms, means what? N. I M B Y. Bro, do you knew this one? Immediately. Okay, you didn't even need any context clues. Same no, with Steve. No. Just, just knew what NIMBY meant. You know, Steve knows it when he's not talking. <laughs> yeah, because I don't want to <laughs> slip up, man. I don't How do you know up. when he doesn't know it? Oh, I, I start, can just tell. I just start talking. Man. Okay. <laughs> I start trying to pry a little conversation. Uh-huh. Get some. Get something started. You know. Get something fired up. Yep. Can you read that question one more time? The like acronym like NIMBY, <laughs> which is often used when discussing wind turbines and solar farms, means what? N I M B Y. Did that help you, Hayden? No. Okay. All right. Let's flip them over. Yeah. Because uh, you gonna come up with an answer, Seth? No. Okay. No. Go ahead and reveal your answer. I was saying that longer than there's been wind turbines and solar farms. We have Steve saying, not in my backyard. Oh, yeah, I want to go. Mike, without an answer. Brody saying, not in my backyard. Hayden, without an answer. Randall saying, not in my backyard. And Seth, without an answer. They got it. The correct answer is not in my backyard. 
The acronym NIMBY first appeared in the 1970s when communities in New Hampshire and Michigan were considering building nuclear power stations. The phrase refers to a person who says their quality of life or property value will be affected by a large-scale project. Besides wind turbines and solar farms, NIMBYism is often associated with things like landfills, meat processing plants, airports, and low-income housing. Yeah, and it's usually associated, like, when you say that, it's usually that the person theoretically supports that sort of thing. Sure. It'd be like someone who's like, oh, Just renew- not here renewable right. energy, of course. Right. Of course. Mm-hmm. Well, how about a solar array in, in you know, your neighborhood? Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's not the ideal location. Nimbyism. <laughs> Question seven. This is our listener question of the week, which was won by Mackenzie Kepner. For sending this great question, Mackenzie is going to get a book signed by Steve. Now, this is a visual question. If you want to see what the room is seeing, then go to Instagram and check out at Spencer Newharth. I'll make it my most recent post. Here is a famous one-minute clip of a dead sperm whale being eviscerated with dynamite. You need to tell me what state mm. it happened in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like this video. (laughs) (laughs) Screams of terror. Our camera stopped rolling immediately after the blast. The humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival as huge chunks of whale blubber fell everywhere. Pieces of meat passed high over our heads while others were falling at our feet. The dunes were rapidly evacuated as spectators escaped both the falling debris and the overwhelming smell. A parked car over a quarter of a mile from the blast site was the target of one large chunk. The passenger compartment literally smashed. Can I watch that very carefully? <laughs> Again, you need to tell me <laughs> where that dead sperm whale was eviscerated with dynamite. Had you folks seen that clip before? Yeah, yeah man. Uh, I, I just love that moment where everybody like kind of puts together the, the blubber chunks are coming for him. <laughs> I had my mouth open, man. <laughs> Steve, did you pick up anything from that video that you think will help you? No, but if I watched it real careful, mm-hmm. like the folks at home are going to do, I you probably would have found it. You think you'd it. learn it? Okay. Yeah, I wanted to look for license it. plates. Yeah, veg- I would have done the vegetative analysis. <laughs> I stopped analysis. the video at a certain point <laughs> on purpose. Yeah, Again, would've... you need to tell me what state that took place in. And I would have looked at that little channel that was broadcast. That's what I was yeah. giving that yeah. a good long thought. I was waiting for the the journalist to sign off. <laughs> so and so, Channel Two News, cut it off. Cut it off from Arizona. A particular spot. Yeah, put Arizona. Does everybody have an answer? Seth, yeah. a lot on the line. You feeling the pressure? Flat out, know it. No. Okay. Go ahead and reveal your answers. What does that say, Steve? It says California. What the hell do you think it says? I thought it said North Carolina. It says California. <laughs> we have Mike saying Washington. You guys got it right. Brody saying New Jersey. Hayden saying Massachusetts. Randall saying Oregon. Seth saying Oregon. We have a correct answer in the room. It's Oregon. 
Oh, Randall and oh, Seth God. got it right. That O started as a C, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that happened in Florence, Oregon on November 12, 1970. The 45-foot whale had been on the beach for three days before the Oregon State Highway Division decided to remove it with dynamite. They speculated that the half-ton of explosives would turn the whale into bite-sized pieces that seagulls would clean up. Instead, it launched some chunks of whale as large as three feet wide into the sky, which damaged property and frightened onlookers when it returned to Earth. Ever since then, Oregon has buried any whales that wash ashore. Did you know that, Phil? Well, I learned. Phil, you knew that? Yeah, yeah. I grew up outside Portland, so, you know, it's something that pop up on, in the news every once in a while. Have you ever they, visited they the site? <laughs> they, like, have signs at the beach, like, explosive whales beach or whatever. Explosive uh, whales. No, no, they don't. I think okay. there might have been one as a joke or something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Hey, everyone. Phil here with a quick addition. While there are no plaques or signage indicating where the whale exploded on the beach, you can visit the nearby Exploding Whale Memorial Park in Florence, Oregon. So check it out next time you drive through. Okay, back to trivia. Question eight. We will get a scoreboard (laughs) update from Phil after this. I I wish I wouldn't even come today. (laughs) This word, uh, this is a cooking question. This word with Swedish origins refers to a buffet of hot and cold meats, smoked and pickled fish, cheeses, salads, and more. This word with Swedish origins refers to a buffet of hot and cold meats, smoked and pickled fish, cheeses, salads, and more. Randall, did you know this one? I think so. Randall knows it. Rest of the room is not very confident. Hayden might have it. This I'm word, very confident. This word with Swedish origins refers to a buffet of hot and cold meats, smoked and pickled fish, cheeses, salads, and more. Brody, how you doing oh. over there? Brody is oh. stumped. Let's is that speed up the time here. Hide your answer. <laughs> Hide your answer, Mike. <laughs> we don't want to help out Brody sitting next to you. He's on the chase. Brody might be the only person who doesn't have an answer created yet. Like, spelling, uh, just, to, <laughs> just to reiterate. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Never mind. <laughs> this word with Swedish origins. Refers to a buffet of hot and cold meats, smoked and pickled fish, cheeses, salads, and more. Now, Hayden, I can hear you. That means Brody can hear you. So if you're talking about... No, no. Well, no okay. I can has nothing to do. stuff out. Okay. Brody tunes me out all the time, man. <laughs> I got kids. <laughs> I got Brody kids. has a kid named Brody, that he, or Hayden, that he's always tuning out. <laughs> Just comes natural. Brody, are you going to come up with an answer? Uh, does everyone have an answer? Mike is getting bored over here. All right. I'll write down a wrong answer. Okay. Go ahead Can and you, reveal your answer. Do you mind reading answers. what I have scratched out? Go ahead me, and reveal your answer. We have Steve. He crossed out charcuterie and wrote, what does that say? Well, it must not be right. Gar- <laughs> Garde mange. It's like okay. salads and cold. Mange is French. We have Mike. Oh, is it? I don't yeah. mean <laughs> We have Mike. What's your answer? Mike saying smorgasbord. Brody is saying, what's that say, Brody? Tapas. Hayden <laughs> saying, what's that say? It says smorgasbord. <laughs> it does? That does not. Randall oh, saying smorgasbord. 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 Seth saying charcuterie. Char- oh. The correct answer is smorgasbord. Damn. Damn. 
We had a few folks get it right. A traditional smorgasbord was often served on a long table with food contributions from guests. Some Nordic countries presented smorgasbords in rounds that were accompanied by singing and beer. According to Scandi Kitchen, the perfect smorgasbord includes pickled herring, smoked salmon, liver pate, salami, meatballs, sausages, cheeses, breads, pickles, cake, chocolate, coffee, and wine. And all the times I've heard that word, I never even considered it was a real thing. Like, Absolutely a real thing. And Americans have kind of corrupted it to ending with a G instead of a D, but it's supposed to end with a D. Phil, we have two questions. Oh, can I ask Phil a quick question? Yeah, what do you got? Um, when we turn the pod, the, this show into a video show? <laughs> yeah. In six weeks? Um, That's when it's happening? <laughs> big asterisk okay. on that six <laughs> <Okay>. weeks. <laughs> Well, we have that whatever technology they have on that show where you got to answer it with a question. Jeopardy. Uh, where viewers, <laughs> where like, we'll have a special board that must be plugged into something. And as you write, <laughs> it becomes clear on the screen oh, what yeah. you're writing. Yeah. For, uh, yeah. yeah. You should tell them about the budget. So as you write well. in a race and write in a race, viewers at home will see what's happening on your board. It'll take some tinkering and, uh, you know, some budget adjustments, yeah. but we can probably <laughs> yeah. figure it out. You know, there's probably one person in this room with the power to uh, create the budget for that sort of thing, Steve. That, that seems like a hefty budget. We have the car order. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Phil, give us a scoreboard update. We have two questions left. Well, everyone's on the board now. Mike Gunong with his smorgasbord, um, but unfortunately, he's no longer in the game, and neither are... Stephen Hayden. Wow. Yeah. Three points apiece. I mean, I can totally understand Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> I was an emergency <laughs> threat. I can understand. <laughs> but for me to not be in, come on now. This is unheard of. Hayden made himself one of the, the game pieces <laughs> out of a chew tin, hoping he'd eventually get put it up there. <laughs> well, no, that's actually his. Corinne is him. Well, now we're going to have to wipe Hayden off for Randall, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Shut Matt. up, Phil. <laughs> And then, uh, still in the game, uh, is Brody Henderson with four points, Seth Morris with five, and Randall is in first place with six points. Oh, he blew past Randall. That. Okay, two questions left. Mm. Question nine, the topic is fishing. This brand, whose name is the combination of two states, makes products like Altera trolling motors and Talon shallow water anchors. This brand whose name is the combination of two I states. I realize that. Seth wrote very <laughs> cocky. Makes oh. products like Altera never... trolling motors and Talon shallow water anchors. I've never been so sure of something in my <laughs> okay. life. Randall, are you as sure as Seth is? I I think I think I got okay. it. Okay. Brody, you look like you have it. Oh, yeah. Hayden, you going to get this one right? Yeah, I'm playing for my average now. Steve? Yeah, I got that. But Seth's yeah. even rocking cockily. You notice that? Like, a cock, <laughs> like a no, I always rock. <laughs> I got like restless leg syndrome. Seems like the room is going to do well. Again, the question is this brand, whose name is the combination of two states, makes products like Altera trolling motors and Talon shallow water anchors. Go ahead and reveal your answers. We have Steve saying Minkota, Mike without an answer. The rest of the room saying Minkota, they got it. The correct answer is Minkota. Minkota was founded by O.G. Schmidt in 1934. He invented the world's first gear-driven electric trolling motor in Fargo, North Dakota. Because the city was on the border of Minnesota and North Dakota, he decided to call the brand Minkota. Hmm. We have one question left. Where does that leave us now, Phil? 
That leaves us with Seth having six points and Randall having seven. Okay, we need Randall to get this one wrong, Seth to get it right, to go to overtime. Only and if the we want to go to overtime. <laughs> I don't think any of that needs I, to happen. Can I, can, I quick, can I quick write this question? I'm interested, I'm interested in the overtime sounder. What is Seth's mother's birthday? <laughs> question 10. The topic is woodsmanship. This next great question comes to us via Josh Ringsmooth. If you have a question you think is right for Meat Eater Trivia, you can send it to trivia at themeateater.com. Giant water bugs are more commonly known by this intimidating nickname. Giant water bugs are more commonly known <laughs> oh, man. by this intimidating nickname. I don't think I've ever seen a more baffled room. Neither Seth nor Randall have an answer. Again, the topic is woodsmanship. Giant water bugs are more commonly known by this intimidating nickname the skitter bug nobody <laughs> don't, don't write nobody, anything, don't write anything. <laughs> nobody has created an answer yet randall wants seth to not answer the question oh, oh. out of protesting it again giant water bugs are more commonly known by this intimidating nickname i know what you're talking about you think you got this one no, right but i know what you're talking about okay randall is there any chance you come up with the right answer no. Seth is one of the only people who has created an answer. Seth, how do you feel about your answer? I don't feel good, Okay, but it's an answer. Looking for the intimidating nickname for giant water bugs. Randall, you're just giving up. You're not going to come up with an answer? I wrote something down, but I'm very confident that it's not the correct okay. answer. Does everybody have an answer? Hayden? Uh, yeah. Go ahead and reveal your answers. We have Steve saying, water devils. Mike without an answer. Brody saying water scorpion. Hayden saying water striders. Randall saying man of war. Seth saying helgermite. Nobody got it right. The correct answer is toe biter. Oh, I knew that. <laughs> I didn't know that, but yeah, I remember that now. That's what a toe So that was a kind of a downer way for Randall to win. It was a bummer way to go <laughs> so I'll take it. I'm still. Other nicknames for giant water bugs include alligator ticks and alligator fleas. They are large aquatic insects that primarily use their two pincers to capture and hold prey. However, as their nickname implies, they will attack humans who step too close to them. Coyote Peterson voluntarily got stung by one on his YouTube channel and described the pain as though his toe got stung by a wasp and then had a brick dropped on it. Nah, because I got, remember I got bit by, was any of you guys there and I got bit by that one? A water butt or a toe biter? Oh, yeah, it hurt. We're thinking about the same thing. They're like this you know, big, enormous pincers. I got bit by one in Kentucky. Really? Mm -hmm. And how'd that feel? Hurt. Real bad? Scared Dickens out of me. And what would you compare it to? Wasn't as bad as a bullet ant. Okay. Not much is. No. I think alligator tick is a more intimidating name oh, as yeah. a toe biter. I think it's a less used one, though. I think the toe biter. It's more common. Randall is our winner. Randall, you got, what, seven correct answers? I don't know. Did I? <laughs> yes, you did, Randall. Well done, Randall. Hit the Shelby Just index. Dripping I'm, with enthusiasm. I'm still... I'm, Isn't it, like, weird that it's so much more fun when I win? I'm so... <laughs> I, to me, it just—I don't know why—is it just me, or does I, it seem so much more you know, fun? So I'm kind of feeling that too, Steve. <laughs> I'm just so angry that I raced blue catfish for alligator mm, gar with like. It'd have been a runaway victory. That question. <laughs> Randall, what happens next is you get to choose where the $500 donation from Meat Eater goes. So, what's it going to be? 
Um, I would like this money to go to the Little Miami Conservancy, which is an organization that does habitat restoration and advocacy for the Little Miami River. It's a wild and scenic river outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, and it's where I learned to fish. And yeah, I, I received that suggestion from a friend. It's a good organization doing good work. And so that's where I'd like it to go. Great donation. I think usually every time you've won, you've gone TRCP. Mm-hmm. I have. Uh, but now you're going the Little Miami... What is it? Little Miami? The what? Little Miami Conservancy. Hell of a game, Randall. Well done, Not, Randall. Nothing pretty about it. You scratch it <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> you, you won. There's no arguing it. Just a regular old win. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, thank you for joining us. We're going to have to talk to the National Park Service about their definitions of petroglyphs and pictographs. We'll get in contact with them. Join us next time for more Meat Eater Trivia, the only game show where conservation always wins. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire-charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold.